0: Look, I, I already cracked my beer open. I, I forgot that I was going to start doing that every intro. I was consistent for like two or three of them bitches. You know that. Not this one, though. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Hello, 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 hello. Apologies in advance for any audio issues. You know how my mic is. I'm eventually going to get a new one. Um, maybe next time I get paid. I don't know yet. I got to look them up and price them first and then... See which one's going to be the best fit for me. Anybody got any tips? Also let me know. Be very helpful. Be very helpful. Anywho, this is the 40 on Fridays podcast. But we're doing something a little different. Uh, if you've been riding and listening to the podcast for... What? Like... At least the last few months. Um, you should know that I did a Final Fantasy VII Remake review about a week and a half or so after the game first came out and that was fun to do and it was a little different from the normal podcast what we normally do because because it was kind of a review take talk discussion blah 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 blah, whatever you want to call it and so i want to try and do that again with persona 5 royal and if you listened to the podcast last week you know i wanted to do it like a series so i've been planning it out thinking about it getting my thoughts together And this is going to be the first of that series. It's going to be five episodes long. I've mapped everything out. This is part one. And I hope you enjoy it. So that was kind of the disclaimer at the top of the episode. Uh, Thanks for rolling with me. And hope you enjoy part one of the Persona 5 Royal Review. Thanks. Starting off as a simple spinoff of the Megami Tensei series, the Persona franchise has taken its own Persona. Persona franchise starting off as a simple spin-off series from the Megami Tensei Meg- Jesus Christ <laughs> starting off as a simple spin-off series from the Megami Tensei franchise the Persona series has taken its root into the world and into people's hearts speaking of hearts Persona 5 has taken the world by storm with its real- original worldwide release April 4th 2017 coming out almost 7 months prior to that in only Japan in September 15th 2016 so uh that's like that was yesterday (laughs) i should have recorded this yesterday that would have been really neat but anywho anywho i'm getting off topic uh while i would love to talk about the other persona games like one two both versions of two all the versions of three persona four persona four golden persona four arena all that fun stuff I myself have only had the personal experience of playing Persona 5 and its enhanced version, Persona 5 Royal, as of more recently, and I can only really speak of that game. I do plan on playing the previous Persona games and even some Shimigami Tensei games. I am taking a very big interest in Shimigami Tensei 5 whenever that does come out. But today we're going to talk about Persona 5 simply because I love Persona 5 and I think it deserves. More than just me gushing over it for an hour and a half on a podcast, I think it deserves a full-on review, a full-on dissection of what I feel the story really cracks down and nails, and just my overall thoughts and opinions on it. So that's what we're doing this week at the start of our Persona 5 Royal Review Series. Every week, we're going to have a new episode discussing a different part of the game, and today we're going to be discussing its technical features like it's gameplay, graphics, art design, sound effects, music, and battle system, as well as changes that have come up from the previous game into Royal, so, or that have come up into Royal from the previous games, I should say. Sorry about that. But uh, before we get into more of that, I'd like to just bring up all the people who have worked on the Persona 5 game. I apologize if I butchered their names. This is my first time really reading these names out. So, uh, director and pup producer, Katsura Hanashi, Han, <laughs> Hashino, Katsura Hashino, designer, Nay, uh, <laughs> Nayoya M- Maeda, programmer, Yujiro Kasaka, artist, Masayoshi Suto, and Shingerin, Shingenori <laughs> So, so you know, I'm sorry, I'm butchering this, uh, writers, Shinji Yamamoto, Yuchiryo Tanaka, and Katsura Hanashiro. Composer, Shoji Maguro. Shout out to them. Thanks to them. I'm sure a lot of these people have been working on the Persona franchise and even the Shin Megami Tensei franchise for a very long time now. I still am barely dipping my toes in the water of both Megami Tensei and Persona. Looking up interesting videos, lore, facts about them, because I was so immersed by the story and ideas and lore just by playing Persona 5 so I just wanted to give credit where credit is due and thank them for this so this is part one of the Persona 5 Royal Review talking about the critical impact of the technical aspects of the game thanks for listening here we go one last little note I wanted to bring up before we really get cracking I am mainly going to be discussing everything about the Persona 5 royal version of the game not uh solely the original or not really the original at all purely because when i played the original game it was almost two years ago now at this point i believe i played it uh, at some point to mid mid to late 2018 and i have just recently played royal like i finished it after playing it three weeks straight i finished it last week so or two weeks ago something like that no last week last week so i don't really have as a refreshed memory about Persona 5 as I do Royal and I mainly want to talk about Royal anyway because it is the more enhanced version of the game and I would say that it is the superior version just because you're not missing out on anything from the original Persona 5 if you don't play that and just go straight to Royal. You're getting everything that was in Persona 5 plus more there are some dialogue additions and changes to very few specific parts in the game, but it more so helps the game rather than hurts it. I will be bringing up one specific scene when we get to that point in a later episode, just to discuss the differences in the dialogue. But I feel like it actually helps the story rather than hurts it, so that's why we're only going to be talking about the royal version of the game and not really the original version. Just, to, just giving that out, just giving that note out. So, all right. <laughs> Now for real, let's get started. So let's go ahead and get right into it, and the first thing we're going to talk about is of course the visuals, and when I say visuals, I mean the graphics, the art design, the overall aesthetic of the Persona 5 Royal game. Uh, this game is beautiful, I. that's all, That's, low-key all you really need to say about it is the game is beautiful. Uh, but if we're talking about art design and style, you, you can see that from the opening of Not only the original Persona 5, but Persona 5 Royal. It's design is something really unique that I've only seen from Persona games and Shin Megami Tensei games. They have a very distinct art style where the characters kind of look, you know, pale for the most part. You know, white characters. (laughs) But their design is almost very unique in its appeal, I, what, what's the word to describe it, there's, there's nothing like it, you haven't seen a design like this before in a lot of other animations or anime-based video games, it is an anime-based art style, but credit where credit is due, it's a very distinct art style, you'll know it when you see it, you're not really going to confuse it with anything else, unless you're confusing it with maybe Shin Megami Tensei, but I will argue that Shin Megami Tensei has a more darker overall aesthetic, whereas, at least the Persona games I've seen, which are mainly footage from Persona 4 and me playing Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal, they seem to have a more uh, lighter aesthetic, not in terms of like colors, but well, colors and colors and just overall feel. It's a lot more lighthearted than the storylines you get from Shin Megami Tensei games. And that is intentional, it definitely is supposed to kind of be a little more lighthearted. Maybe not the earlier entries with Persona 1 and 2. But even in 3, with its dark outlook about the idea of accepting death and not being able to run from it, even then, the music and the overall colors that popped out and just the design and aesthetic of the game seemed a lot more worldwide audience friendly than what you would get from your typical Megami Tensei game. And that's not insulting Megami Tensei. Megami Tensei has its own unique style. This uh, approach for Persona was just going in a different direction. So that's what I will definitely say about the art style. I love the character designs. Everyone feels like they fit their design, personalities fit their designs. Even with your main character who doesn't really have a lot of personality, and I will be calling referring to the main character as Ren because I believe, at least in the anime, the Persona 5 anime, that's what the character is called. You yourself in Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal can name him whatever you like, but we're going to refer to him as Ren. Just so we can have a a straightforward narrative for this video series, and you guys know who I'm talking about rather than saying main character all the time. Even with Ren's character though, uh, he's very simplistic in design, you know, simple uh, school uniform, nothing really flashy about his school uniform, he just has a generic kind of look to it. Hairstyle doesn't really stand out too much, even the color. Black hair, not something you see from a lot of main characters, especially nowadays. Either they have, like, a really wacky design, a really bright or vibrant hair color, or some sort of combination of both. Whereas Ren just kind of has a simple hairdo, and the glasses are probably his most distinct feature that me and my friend were very heartbroken to find out during a a scene in Persona 5 Royal where Ryuji refers to your glasses as being fake. Ren, why? You hurt me. You were supposed to be my glasses, brother. And you hurt me." But even that kind of like shows off the character he is, being so that he uh, ends up where he is for a crime he really didn't commit and being set on probation. So even though he kind of looks like this simple guy who doesn't cause a lot of trouble, he already has a bad reputation by the time he gets to where he's going. And I'm sure other Persona games have maybe similar themes to that. Not being on probation, but kind of don't judge a book by its cover when it comes to their main characters. But I like that contrast with Red's design and the rumors about him and what leads him to rebelling and getting his persona and his Phantom Thief attire. But we'll be talking about that a little later and little bits and pieces throughout this episode and further episodes when we get more into the characters. But even then you have a contrast and then you have Yuji who's really like outspoken and loud kind of stupid a punk best boy yes i said best boy you can come fight me ryuji is the best but his outfit really stands out to him being kind of like this punk or this delinquent type character the way he stands kind of like legs kind of like bowlegged like a punk hands in pockets all the time uh bright yellow colors fitting you know his element being uh lightning you know electricity and just being loud like he's he stands out his outfit is loud yeah, aunt on who's very kind of like stylish with her school uniform her being so you know a model makoto her uniform i wouldn't say as simplistic like rins is but it is very studious which fits because she's a student council president so on and so forth If you get what i'm saying they nailed the idea of characters personalities fitting their design choices and while that is something very simple and something very straightforward and something you would expect from most storylines for characters like that to do I feel like there's something different about it with Persona 5, like, they really, really nailed the expression of the characters to the point where it doesn't feel like, to me at least, it doesn't feel like, oh, this character is this one trait, so they'll dress like this. It feels like this character is layered the more you get to know them, and their design choice are the outfits they wear, like, you know, school outfits, outfits they wear in the winter, outfits they wear in the summer. Their sense of fashion fits the person they are, rather than the stereotype they are, if that makes any sense. Even Ren's clothes, like I said, he is your generic main character, he is you. But even his fashion sense kind of has a distinctness to it that fits his character. And I think they executed that really well, making sure everyone had a fashion sense or some kind of fashion taste that fit the true nature of the person, rather than just like... This is this character, so they always wear stuff like this. They actually have different outfits that have some variety to them, but have their own distinct flair. You could tell, like, even though these ensembles are very different from each other, this is definitely the full wardrobe of such and such character. And that's how people are in real life. You know, we're all different and we all have very different uh, characteristics and layers to our personalities, but we also have a distinct wardrobe. You know, we have shorts, we have jeans, we have shirts that are long sleeve, undershirts, button ups, jackets, coats, you know, shit like that. But our whole wardrobe fits one overarching theme being, you know, our taste in clothing, our taste in fashion. So it feels realistic at the end of the day. That's my long winded explanation of it. Now, uh, art design wise, this game is pretty. Like aesthetically, this game really pops out there's a lot of red involved in it that's kind of being like the color of the game where like how Persona F- 3's it seems to be more like blues and Persona 4 was more of a yellow color. Persona 5 has that red color scheme so it kind of pops out in kind of the overall theme of the game which is rebelling so you have like that bright more aggressive color of being red and a lot of. Uh, Darker situations, especially in the opening to have that red backdrop, it really makes everything pop and stand out. So aesthetically, they they captured what they were trying to do, being that theme of rebellion which we'll talk about in the last episode <laughs> overall, but I don't know man, there's something about that art style that sticks in your head. You, you, you're always going to be thinking about it, and maybe you'll be walking down the street and something just reminds you of it. And you're just like, oh yeah, Persona 5, dude. I feel like that's what's gonna happen to me uh, 10, 20 years down the line when I'm like an old-ass dude and Persona 5 is long in the past. Let's say we're on like Persona 10 or some shit. I don't know. Or maybe they even stopped making Persona games. But I'm gonna walk by something and it's just gonna remind me of that game. And that's what you want when you make uh, character designs and art style and overall aesthetic for a story. Whether it be a game, or an anime, or a film, anything like that. You want something that's going to be cool looking, you want something that's going to not be too far over the top, depending on the the angle you're going for for a storyline, but mostly you're going to want something unique at the end of the day, because it's going to stick in people's minds. And I think that's what Persona 5 is going to do, and that's why it's had a strong impact as well. The story is great, don't get me wrong, once we get there, but a lot of people just love the aesthetic of Persona 5 overall as well. People love the whole, like, uh, the, the chat when you're texting on your phone with everybody. There's an app that can change your text messages to look like that. Because people just love the way that looked and the silhouettes of it. When you go to the menus, oh god, the menus, the cool little designs. Uh, just fitting that kind of, like, rebellious, punkish kind of vibe to it. And just uh, the overall aesthetics of the silhouettes of the confidant selection and the character selection, it all really stands out and sticks to being really memorable. Especially in a world where a lot of games are way more serious than serious feeling. You know, like darker themes, more serious and brooding, a lot more like darker colors like grays and stuff. No, no offense to like games like Dark Souls and Bloodborne and stuff. Because those games have, you know, challenging strategic combat and deep lore that people go to, and that's what makes uh, those games so memorable and enjoyable, because that's what they're going for. So the color schemes are darker to fit that more dark theme, but they feel washed out at times. So you want something that stands out more a lot of the time, and feels fun. Persona 5 feels fun because... Not only of its gameplay, and its storyline, and the music, which we're about to talk about next, but the way it looks. And I think that's just one of its strongest points uh, next to the music and the storyline. Those are definitely the three pillars of Persona 5, I'd say. It's uh, music, it's look, and it's story. Uh, And that's what you want at the end of the day, especially from an RPG. So, kudos to them for that, and again I fucking love it 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 just looks great it's something that keeps you smiling you're just like this is just nice to look at so the next thing I want to talk about is the sound design and the music more so the music because my god is this soundtrack amazing I'm gonna go ahead and say it. it is my favorite soundtrack in any video game I've ever played I love this soundtrack now don't come after me, Persona fans. I haven't played any of the previous Persona titles, as I've stated before, so maybe I could like Persona 3 or Persona soundtrack more than Persona 5's. The only reason why I would doubt that is because I'm a big fan of jazz sound and jazz music in general. I'm more so a hip-hop fan than any other genre. Uh, hip-hop is my thing, hip-hop and rap. I am a rapper myself. I make music more based in hip-hop. But I just gotta love a good jazz sound. That is probably my second favorite con- my second favorite genre, my second favorite kind of music is jazz. And I love when hip-hop artists incorporate kind of like a jazz feel or a jazz sound into their own music. Because it just adds to that vibe and then you lay some solid lyrics over it. Mm, masterpiece, baby. But uh, with Persona 5, it has just like this really funky, really jazzy sound with a little bit of rock sprinkled into it on the side for certain tracks, and it just fuses into this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, soundtrack and body of work that just fits the overall theme of Persona 5, and it even fits the aesthetic very well. It matches hand-in-hand, as it should, I mean, but also I feel like uh, using jazz and jazz uh, fusion kind of music in Persona 5 is the best choice they could have done in terms of a soundtrack just because of the way Persona 5 looks, its aesthetic, its overall theme, and like core gameplay elements being that you guys are the Phantom Thieves and you sneak into people's palaces to steal the treasure that is their hearts. Having a jazz soundtrack accompany that kind of aesthetic and storyline works really well because you're sneaking around, you're, you want to ambush people, you want to get around traps And as you search through these palaces like that are castles, museums, banks, stuff like that, it really adds to the feeling of you're a thief and you're about to steal something. You're rebelling. And jazz is probably the best genre they could have done for that. The only other genre I could have seen maybe fitting that is punk. And that's kind of why I think the accompanying that uh, some tracks being sprinkled in with a little rock helps too. It kind of adds to that vibe. But I feel like jazz just fits it better, especially with Rin's character, that being Joker, uh, being kind of like the, based on the idea of a gentleman thief. So having that jazz soundtrack to go with his motif is really good. I mean, his persona is based off Arsene Lupin. So, boom, 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 boom. I can't reach
1: the internet right now
0: and try again um, I don't know why my Google Home just went off but I'm leaving that in the, the review fuck that, we're not doing any take backs um, anywho, music, fucking great beautiful, masterpiece, love it, where was I? oh, shout out to this beautiful voice this beautiful woman, this extremely talented woman Lynn, oh my god So, most of Persona 5's tracks do have uh, singing to them, they do have vocals. Well, not most, but a lot of them do. And the person that sings this is a Japanese jazz and soul vocalist known as Lin. And oh shit, boy, her voice is beautiful. They couldn't have found a more fitting person to sing the songs on these. When you first hear Wake Up, Get Up, Get Out There in the original Persona 5, Boy, you can't tell me. Her voice at the start of that track does not just get you like, ooh, okay, we about to get into it. But it's just like, ooh, am I? I'm the oh, God, love it. She also does the opening, of course, for Persona 5 Royal, uh, Colors Flying High. Great, 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 great track. She does, also, she does the opening for Persona 5 Scramble, which has not come out in America yet. Hopefully it will next year, I believe. Please, I need more Persona 5 in my life. But I have heard the opening to Persona 5 Scramble, and it is my favorite opening of the three Persona 5 openings, and I have not even played Scramble yet. You Are Stronger is a fucking banger of a track. <laughs> um, but she just adds to the appeal of the game so, so, so much. And hearing her voice when that Battle Fiend plays, I actually don't get tired of the Battle Fiend. You think you would. Especially since it's a song with vocals in it so you're probably when you're like late game and you know like the enemy Weaknesses and you're gonna kill them all in one good-ass wave or one attack And you barely hear the fucking beginning of the song every time you think you get bored of it. I Did not I did not one of the palaces has a song with vocals most most of the palaces Well pretty much all the palaces except for this one all have music that doesn't have vocals one of the palaces, the Sixth Palace, being a casino, does have vocals. Lynn is singing. It is probably one of my favorite tracks in the game. It is one of my favorite tracks in the game. Oh, God. Whims of Fate is a fucking... If you haven't heard Whims of Fate, go ahead and go on Google. Type in Persona 5 Whims of Fate. You can't tell me that shit isn't good. Oh, God. Love it, love it. I use it as background music on here, like the instrumental. I'll probably use it on this part now that I'm really thinking about it because, woo, that song be hitting. So, uh, (laughs) let me go ahead and tell you guys my favorite Persona 5 uh, series altogether songs. If I had to make a top 5 in no particular order, it'd be Whims of Fate, Stronger, or You Are Stronger, I believe that's what it's called, uh, Layer Cake, a tie between Beneath the Mask and, what's it called, No More What Ifs, which is a new song in Persona 5 Royal. Um, if if Beneath the Mask is Joker's theme, No More What Ifs is Goro Akechi's theme. And if you haven't played Persona 5 but don't know who Goro Akechi is, boy, when we get to talking about the villains and main characters and shit, woo, we we gonna, we gonna talk about Goro Akechi. But... <laughs> Yeah, those two are definitely tied. Uh, no More What Ifs is definitely a catchy's beneath the mask, and it is such a beautiful fucking song. I love to hate a catchy, but I. Oof, I love that song. And uh, last but definitely not least is the ending theme to the original Persona 5 game uh, I Will Follow My Heart. Oh, gorgeous song. It's seven minutes long, it's in Japanese. Mo- all, all the songs in the game are sung in English to have a more universal appeal for the worldwide release throughout the game, just having that universal language. But the ending songs to Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal are sung in Japanese. I don't know if Scrambles is too, just because I haven't... The only stuff I've seen for Scramble is like gameplay in the trailers and I've seen the opening theme and I've heard that and I've heard... Ax to grind, which is an honorable mention for my favorite songs. Ax to grind is, I think, one of the battle themes in Scramble. Beautiful. <laughs> but I will follow my heart is sung in Japanese. Uh, I don't care if you're not into like listening to J rock, J pop, just music, Japanese vocalists. Um, oh, it's not an English song, okay? boy. You can look up the lyrics, listen to I will follow my heart, and tell me that doesn't directly sing to your soul. When I finished Persona 5, way back, the original, and I will follow my heart center playing at the end credits, I was like, UGH! My fucking soul, this is beautiful. It was like, really a farewell song, like saying goodbye to that world, until Royal came out. But, (laughs) yeah, uh, the music is great. Uh, Sound design, when I say sound design, I mean like the sound effects, you know, like, When Joker uses his knife to cut a bitch. Uh, When Ryuji takes out a big-ass pipe and smacks you with it after kicking you in the face. Uh, Makoto, the sound of her fist pounding into your skull. You know, shit like that. (laughs) That's what I mean by sound effects. I really like them because it's kind of like a mix of uh, old-school video game sound effects. Really good sound design for the modern day age and kind of like even like a touch of like old-school like action movies and anime and stuff like that just kind of those noises and again it layers on and fits really well with the overall aesthetic and theme of the game because you're thieves so kind of having that old-school soundy sound effects for certain actions really is a nice touch for the game overall i think uh in terms of like menu noises like you know when you're selecting stuff scrolling through a menu canceling and stuff you know, in general stuff, nothing too deep with that, but the sound effects for, like, combat. Uh, when, you, when you're sneaking around, like, when you're hiding behind cover, you're sneaking from one place to another. Jump up and an, uh, 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 ambushing people, like, the whoosh noise is kind of like the sneaking around. Something you would picture in an anime back in the day, just whoosh, whoosh, just sneaking. Uh, the ripping off of the mask, when when it makes that whoosh, that that sound. Uh, very aggressive, but I like it. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's not much to say about the sound effects-wise. I think they just fit really well, but oh goodness, that soundtrack. It, you could not ask for a better soundtrack. It, if you If you ask me what soundtrack most perfectly, like, what soundtrack best fits the game or storyline or any piece of media that it accompanies. I would say Persona 5. Persona 5 soundtrack is perfect in terms of fitting the game it was made for. And i it's hard to say that because you can't really say that but a lot of stuff. There's a lot of game soundtracks, anime soundtracks, movie soundtracks, etc., etc., that I love. Like Yu Yu Hakusho's soundtrack, for instance. I love the music of Yu Yu Hakusho. There's some tracks or some like music that I don't feel either fit the current part of the story they're in, or just don't fit the Yu Yu though, so I can say that. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, the original, is one of my favorite games of all time. I don't love every track on that game. I can say with, without a doubt, um, I love almost every single song in the game. There's only one song <laughs> I do not really care for in Persona 5, in Persona 5 Royal, and that is the first Mementos theme. Now, I'm pretty sure in the original Persona 5, they always play the same Mementos song, no matter how deep in Mementos you are. The I, I can only remember that one when I think about Mementos and Persona 5 the original, but in Persona 5 Royal, every time you go down to a new- every two sections, so, every two sections, when you go down Mementos, we'll talk about Mementos if you haven't played Persona 5, uh, later when we talk about, uh, the palaces and designs and stuff like that, um, the music changes, in Royal at least, and I remember that distinctively because I was so glad not to fucking hear the Mementos theme anymore, I- I don't know. I don't, you know what? I don't hate the track, but I feel like it's a little too repetitive, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm tired of hearing this shit play over and over and over <laughs> and over. Because <laughs> you can be down there for a minute depending on what you're doing, especially since they added some new stuff you can do in Royal. Like, there's some new stuff in Mementos you can do. So you you might be down there for a few hours, and you're just like, Oh Jesus Christ, make it fucking stop. Make it fucking stop. <laughs> so, uh, very thankful that the music changes. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe the music to Mementos changes in the original Persona 5. If it does, I don't know why I don't remember it. Maybe I just was kind of over Mementos by the time I got through it. I didn't hate Mementos in the original Persona 5, and I don't hate Mementos in Persona 5 Royal. But it just was like, it was kinda cool, whatever to me. I didn't care about it too deeply until it really became extremely story based or when I had some mementos request to do. But other than that, I absolutely adore every other track in this song. There's also even a new battle theme for when you successfully ambush enemies. So you're probably going to hear that battle theme more often than you do the original just because it's pretty easy to ambush enemies in this game. Uh, the new song's called Takeover. It's also a jam. Is it better than Last Surprise? Mm, I'll let you be the judge of that. I think Last Surprise is a little better, but Takeover is still a fucking bop, and still hits that idea of a jazzy theme. And one thing I will like to would like to say about the jazzy theme, even though there's a jazz soundtrack and theme and structure all throughout the game, they know how to use that sound to its advantage. Because they're not imitating the sound, they're performing jazz music. And when I say imitate, there's a difference between that. Me being like a huge music fan and, you know, being a musician myself, or a music artist, I'm a rapper. I don't really play any, play any instruments. But I have rapped over a lot of different sounds like hip-hop, rock, jazz, and stuff like that. Uh, I will say there's a difference between imitating a sound and actually knowing the sound. When you're imitating a sound, it you can tell there's not as much intensity in the music as there would be if you actually knew how to play it like it's not all there it feels off and it may sound like something really simple to anyone but like if you're super into music or play music yourself you know the idea of like oh I just like you know heard this sound and you're kind of trying to play it by ear and you're more so just imitating it and it just feels off it doesn't have that same impact or intensity whereas if you know that genre, and know how to play it, you're gonna get that exact vibe that is intended from that music. It's the same thing with rapping. There's different styles of rapping, there's different flows, there's different ways you can rhyme and spit bars. And you can imitate that, you can imitate flows, you can imitate styles from the greats, especially if you're practicing and, you know, learning your craft, but it's one thing to imitate and there's one thing to do. And when you can do it and not imitate it, you create your own style. That's why a lot of like artists, like younger artists, newer artists, kind of sound like they're biting flows or things of that nature. Uh, Biting a flow is like, you know, stealing a flow from another artist because they're imitating that artist. Not because they're trying to steal from them, but because they're inspired by them. So with a lot more practice, that flow becomes their own natural sound. It doesn't sound like they're trying to force it. It just comes out naturally to them and if you don't get exactly what I'm saying especially when it comes to rapping like look up like any rappers like early work like stuff that isn't even like officially studio release like go on YouTube and look up early work from like shows when they were younger before they blew up and listen to how they rhyme and then compare that to like not even their latest stuff but maybe like stuff middle-of-the-road you can tell the difference you can tell they become more naturally accustomed To how they sound and how they rhyme and how they structure music and how they structure their bars and their rhymes and their legs and that's how it is with making music as well and that's what Persona 5 executes perfectly it wasn't like a game trying to imitate a jazz soundtrack it was a game that had a jazz soundtrack so you have songs like Beneath the Mask which are really kicked back and chill and they're smooth which is why it's kind of like the overall theme of when you're just going throughout the town in your free time kicking it meeting up with your friends shit like that because it just fits that vibe and that structure then you have a song like last surprise which isn't like super aggressive or intense but it has this layer of like oh we're in action right now but it's smooth it's kicked back it's like yeah like it's not a song it's not only a song you can like maybe like to or work out to, but it's a song you can just kick back and listen to. It's not gonna have your heart pumping at maximum adrenaline, but it is letting you know, like, hey, something's happening, and that's what you want, especially with the, the idea of the thieves—they're sneaking around. So, Get into some action, they're trying to finish it as stealthily as quickly as possible. So, that's surprising. That and then you have more uh, rock, uh, rock, jazz, fusion tracks when it comes to the boss fights. Because in boss fights, it's a fight you're not running from or trying to hide from, you're facing that boss head on, there's no escape. So, the tracks become more aggressive in those situations so they know how to utilize the music for whatever situation they're in and songs like when you go to different shops like when you go to the aeroshop shop where you purchase your weapons layer cake Woo! layer cake makes you feel like you're doing some sneaky activity shit, which you are <laughs> so those are just a few of the many examples if you want more you just either play persona 5 or o, or look up some of the soundtrack on youtube uh, you'll be able to find plenty of tracks people are always uploading Songs that you're not only going to be like, oh, I remember that song in that game, that song's cool. It's songs that you can just listen to. Even the Persona 5 anime, which isn't too well received because it's a watered down story, Uh, it's a watered down version of a video game. The music in the animation is top notch too and fits the theme of that jazziness. It's a little more, uh, I'd say it's a little more. I don't want to say musical-like, but it kind of has that flavor to it with the jazz. Beautiful stuff still, nonetheless. Uh, the ending themes for it, what is it, Infinity, and then the, the ending autonomy. <makes> Beautiful tracks. haven't even watched the anime, but I love those songs. So yeah, the music, whoo, another layer to the game. Uh, minus the early momentous theme. <laughs> That's my personal opinion, though, but good soundtrack, good soundtrack. So the last thing we're going to be talking about is the gameplay, meaning like the combat, the aspects of basic aspects of your social life, we'll be more so talking about that once we get to the characters and and stuff like that in the story in later episodes, and of course uh, some of the changes to the gameplay and combat that's happened with Persona 5 the least. So the combat in the game is very very straightforward RPG with important ports its own little bells and whistles here get into a fight, turn-based combat, you can have up to four people in your party in battle at a time. Joker is your party leader. He is always in battle. You cannot switch him out. And there's certain actions on the Joker you do until uh, you raise certain confidence abilities up that you can do other certain things during anyone's turn, shit like that, very specific. Joker is also your lifeline. So when I say that, I mean when a party member falls in battle... Side Joker, the battle keep going, and you can revive them, you know, escape, and then heal them after the battle. Shit like that. If Joker dies, it is always going to be a game over. Joker is your leader. You are Joker. It also kind of helps to fit the main story of the game, since pretty much for most of it, until a very, very specific point. Much, much later, you are recounting events during an interrogation. You're in an interrogation and you're recounting events prior to that that led up to that. So, if you pass out in a fight, how would you know what happened during that fight? So, it results in a game. This has always kind of been a thing in Persona games, though. I believe in a lot of older Persona games, at least as far back as Persona 3, you couldn't control your. to your teammates. Before you could only control yourself. Uh, one of my roommates, he's,
1: he's huge,
0: huge, huge, huge on Persona, and especially even more so Shinnok. And he was telling me, yeah, in Persona 3, you can only control your player character. Everyone else is more so AI controlled. You can kind of like should, issue out uh, preset commands to them so they have a certain pattern to battle. So you can kind of structure it. So if you die, it's game over because you're the only character you can control. They've kind of kept that theme going in for 5, even though you can't control your party members. You can also choose to not control them and have them just do their own thing, but I'd rather just control them. Honestly, I don't want them doing anything stupid. Um, so, I'd rather be the one doing something stupid. But I digress. It still kind of fits the theme and adds to the challenge of the game. It's just like, make sure Joker doesn't die. Which can lead to there you there. kids part of the But a wind attack and they were weak to it and got one more so then i attack the second enemy for that turn again oh look i scored a critical hit they knocked down i get another one more so i can also hit the third target um one more is only activate on a target that isn't or criticals only activate on a target that isn't already knocked down if you hit an enemy that's weak to win that's already knocked down you're not going to get another one more because they're already knocked down and the other option you have is a baton the pass. Baton Passes are very unique people because what they do is uh, say you get a one more. Say someone is weak to lightning. You don't have a lightning skill. But guess who does? Your buddy Ryuji. So you can choose to take the extra turn you got from the one more and pass it on to another ally. So let's say I use a character like Morgana, who's a wind Element. Enemies weak to win, knock knocking down the cliff. Oh, the second one weak to lightning. Let me pass it off to Ryuji. Boom, baton pass. As you baton pass to different teammates, the power, the effects of the baton pass strengthen the team. For the last person, once all four people have gotten a baton pass, boost. a full-on little boost through the baton pass for that last character and the baton. <laughs> so don't think you can infinitely spam the combat but you can infinitely take advantage of the idea of using the Tom pass in conjunction with your one against enemies that have been knocked down. That's right little folks, people who have been, people who got their turn to the pass can still use one wars if they get knocked down from the enemies. But also keep in mind your enemies can do the same thing to you. Your teammates will have weaknesses. Ryuji is strong against lightning because he's a lightning element, but he's weak against wind. So be careful if wind enemies are out because if they hit Ryuji with a wind attack, chances are he's falling flat on his ass. Enemy has a wind. Now, if you knock down all enemies on the battlefield on their side, you get something called a hold. Up. Now, a holdup is only triggered if all enemies are... if the last enemy... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, how do I it? So the way one more, one more works is, okay, let's say there's three enemies on the map. I critical one, I hit one with a witness. Tank. They're both knocked down. I hit the last one, but I didn't get a critical hit or a weakness. It died. So the two knocked down leads to a holdup, right? No, because I didn't hit a weakness or a critical with the last one, even though it died. You have to have all the other enemies already knocked down and then the the last thing you hit has to be, you know, critted or hit at their weakness, even if they die or live. Or, let's say you have an attack that hits all enemies and it does all critical stuff. and you know, boom, hold up. That's all hold up. I know I explained that whole way from that moment. In hold up, it is as it's described. Hold legs up, back up. <laughs> you have guns, you have your melee weapons, your guns. Everyone has a different gun, that has a different power, that has a different power, accuracy, and ammunition. And we're going to talk about one of the best features that got upgraded for guns. Oh, love it today. We're going to talk about it in the <laughs> Now, when you hold enemies up, you can talk to one of them and you can either extort them for money, you can extort them for money. say I want to recruit somebody, I can ask them to join my class. Now, that doesn't mean they're automatically going to join. You then have to talk to them and answer questions, and they'll have a certain personality. They'll either be like upbeat, gloomy, timid, or irritated. Now, depending on the answers you pick based on their personalities, they'll respond in different ways. You want to make sure that they you're asked, you asked, uh, you answer two questions. You want to make sure that the second question, you make sure that they react in positive If you fuck up on the first question and say they're angry you, you can still recruit them. If you answer the second question, you can still make them. Now, there's three outcomes of these interrogations. If you get a second response, Shadows and they're more if You get to the characters and story stuff. And just explain basically play it by the way. Uh, so they're If they're irritated by your second answer, they'll be like, hey now fuck that. Break, they break out of the interrogation can, the hold up in general, and then they will attack you. So be careful. And if they kind of answer in the middle with like kind of like a like shock response or surprise, they'll drop an item and run. Away. That's about it. So if you want personas, you got to answer these questions correctly. There are certain patterns with them that you can figure out to break down. So it shouldn't be that hard to get um, one of these personas to join you after you encounter them two or three times. Yeah, but there a lot of them are pretty easy to do. You can probably do the first three. There's also a certain feature for certain party members uh, if you raise their confidence up enough. If you fail a negotiation, there's a chance that whatever party member with this ability will stop the enemy from running, leading you to answering another one of their questions, giving you another shot to get as a persona. So that's kind of nifty. Raise your up, kids. that's what that means. Uh, there's also a mechanic called the Alt Attack. During uh, a holdup, if you don't feel like talking to these niggas no more, you can hit them with a all-out attack, which means everyone joined up with you during that holdup will jump to save the new stuff for when I got to the new stuff, kind of all at once, but the best quality of life change to come out of Royal is the ammunition. Now, per- the original Persona 5, you went into a palace. Once you left the palace, that was it, you couldn't go back for the day, the only way you could go back into a palace was you had to go back the next day. And you could only go in on the daytime, once it was nighttime, you couldn't go back. So it exhausts your day pretty much into the yeah, I mean you can maybe do something in like the heat. So
1: ammo is very
0: limited in the original persona fight. So when I say Joker has six rounds of ammunition, he has six shots, he has six shots. You do not replenish ammo. Say you're in a palace run, trying to secure a route to the treasure, which is the goal of every so You have to secure a treasure route. And you we'll talk about that in the, the story. Let's say you use all six rounds. For the rest of that run through the palace, you can no longer use your pistol. And if Ryuji uses all three shotgun shots, he can no longer use his shotgun. Get what I'm saying? So the only way to Punch ammo is to leave the palace and come back the next day. So guns could be a I shoot all six bullets on a gun. I can no longer use my gun for the rest of that fight. We finish the battle, we won, we got out of it, we get into another fight. Guess what I can now do in that next fight? That's right baby, I can shoot you six more times. Ammo replenishes at the end of each battle, rather than the end of running for a palace for it. So now, you don't have to leave a palace and come back to the next day if you want more bullets. Just finish the fight and you got more bullets. They have a reason, in story-wise, as to why this is a Persona 5 world, but it's really not important. It's just an excuse to let you, to let this quality of life change, go over and I fucking love it. Some people will be like, oh, it takes away from the challenge of the game, fuck that. It encourages you to use guns more. Which I did. I utilized guns a hell of a lot more. Persona 5 world than I've ever did in Persona 5. Because certain guns had no ammunition. Like the Yuji shotgun, it had three fucking shots. Haru had a rocket launcher. It had one shot. Haru's rocket launcher hit all enemies, but I got one shot. So if I fired it, that was it for that Palace run. Through. Now, at least I have one grenade launch per battle. A lot better than it was with I thought that was a great quality it's not like you can bullets during a fight you in way it's just at the end of a fight until you're stop. so good on them for that I feel like it helped the That's probably one of the best uh, quality life games. Well there's several. But... Mm-hmm. And then we get to the persona. Uh, so personas, if you haven't played a persona game before, this is essentially kind of like using the magic option in a typical RPG, but a oh little no. Certain elements of magic attack, uh stack moves, buffs and debuffs, and then passes. So once you have all eight slots full, if you want to learn a skill, you have to delete one of your skills. Kind of like how Pokemon is. Uh, so this is how you would structure, that's how you would structure the moveset for your persona. Now for your party members, their persona was their moveset. They couldn't hold one one persona with their one moveset. With Joker, you could have access to multiple something so you had multiple ideas for movesets. So say, as a situation called for a very specific set of skills, and say you had that very specific set of skills in a different luck skill, which means he's good with criticals, and he has a decent magic skill, decent physical, and he's good with healing spells. He's Potter, who has her psychic skills, also very talented with gun skills, so that was a nice little twist that i to see. Makoto is a solid uh, physical and persona user with her nuclear skills, very, very balanced. You know, everyone has their own different play. So setting up your party and your team was crucial because if you knew what uh, enemies were inside the palace and there. About the battle ones first, just because they're fresh, they're new, and we've been talking about the battle system. So, like I already said, uh, the gun change, your ammo reloads at the end of every battle. Uh, the second new thing <sighs> that got added to the well, before that, there's also a way to actually level up your teammates Baton combat. Now, in the original game, you just had your Baton In Persona 5 Royal, baton passes have levels, and if you go up to level 2 level eight. This would add certain bonus effects to a character receiving up time as depending on the level the game and There's a specific little mini-game that we'll be discussing. Uh, you know what? It counts as gameplay. I'm going to talk about it right now. <laughs> uh, so they added in mini-games for Persona 5 Royal, uh, or one specific one. This one, you can play a game of darts, and You actually play the game. I feel like they kind of dropped the ball with Say. Joker also has some top levels. Once it gets to level 3, they max out. So after playing one or two games, even of Yards and winning, Joker's uh, top half level already level 3, but you still have everyone else. Not only that, every character in the party has a different play style when they come to darts. Some people will follow your lead, and they'll try to imitate the shots you do. Some people like to aim directly for the bullseye. Some people like to for the outer rings to score points on the outside and chip damage that you need to deal with the heavy hitting of your turn to score the higher points. It all depends. So I thought that was really neat. <laughs> and you can even pep talk them and if you get the pep talk right they'll finish up the game and uh, score the winning points if it's possible. To. So which raises their baton level by two. Let's say they already had a baton level of one. Start with a so if they do that and win the games successfully after your pep talk, it'll go straight up to three, so you only have to play one card game like I got everyone's baton pass maxed up, except for one specific bucket here. We'll talk about it. But the baton pass level thing is nice. Look at that. a little bucket. It's been a number of HP and SP back. damage buff. Shit like that. And they're small. They're small buffs from the Baton Pass, but they're still buffs nonetheless, so I very much appreciate it that they did that. And the third feature that I think is the coolest thing they did is added a style of team attack to game. It's called Showtime. Once we get into the story features, uh, I should talk about this when we talk about the videos, but I'll talk about this when we get to the portion Because this is a certain semi side side game, but uh, you receive a special item from the certain someone that then allows the characters to learn showtime. There's a story reason for why the showtimes are happening, uh, but just to save you the trouble, showtime's for the tag team,
1: moves that certain here
0: You get them through story progression, so you don't have to worry about missing out on any of their, uh, there'll be a cutscene on a specific day, and two characters will be talking, and they'll be like, what if we did such and such and such and such, and they'll break down the move, all spring off screen, they'll be talking about the move, and they're like, yeah, let's do it, and then they learn the showtime. Showtime's triggered at random, but your chances do increase if the character just received a tom pass, if they just landed a critical hit, or if HP is so low. Like the chances of them triggering a showtime opportunity, then activate So, if you get a showtime, boom, 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 you just go ahead and press up, I don't know what that button is called. Show times you collect. clusters of power from a distorted person's cognition in their palace. There's three per palace, and their little secret collectibles that you go around. Yeah. If you find all three of the will seeds in someone's palace, the will seeds will fuse together and become a crystal. For example, the first palace, Kambashita's palace, you collect lust will seeds. There's a red lust will seed, a green lust will seed, and a blue lust will seed. Get it? RGB like the RGB color system scheme. Anywho, if you fuse these, uh, get all three will seeds, they fuse together and become a crystal, a crystal of lust, <laughs> which becomes an item. Now these items do certain things, like they'll teach you like a move when equipped, and there's a certain game mechanic where you can upgrade the crystal and turn it into a ring, which now gives you uh, a new like ability you can use while it's equipped and it has a passive ability that it gives you while it's equipped. So these, these little nifty items uh, are, are pretty dope. They come in handy. They have very specific benefits, benefits. They're fun. And each one is named based on the Sin themed after an enemy's palace, which we'll talk about once we get to the palaces, like Kamoshita's being Lust, for example. So, you know, Seven Deadly Sin type of stuff. Fun shit, fun shit, fun shit. Um, new minigames to play. With your confidence, like I said with the darts game, you can invite them to play darts. You can invite them to play pool. You don't actually play pool, but you talk. And it gives everyone that uh, showed up to play pool a boost in their affection to you. So you can get that in, so you can always have a chance to raise your confidence levels with people. A lot of helpful stuff. Um, You can help clean out LeBlanc to raise your charm. Occasionally there will be a crossword puzzle there. You can get a point of knowledge. There's just new nifty little quality of life changes and bits and pieces here and there for your social life to just give you that extra nudge to help raise your social stats because it can take forever to raise your social stats. Other than that, the other changes to the game that really add on thick to the game mainly involve actual story and plot and new characters and new events and stuff like that. So we're not going to get into that stuff here because this was more me talking about the technical aspects, like I said, uh, the way the game looks, the way the game plays, the way the game sounds, just the way the game feels overall in terms of those things. And I think uh, we've done wrapped it up to a close here. Uh, I knew this was going to be a shorter episode because it was only the first episode and I don't tend to be super deep when it comes to talking about the technical stuff. I just thought it deserved its own episode, so I was like, this is probably going to be the shorter one, so let's do it first, get it out of the way. Uh, They built a great game, like I said, it was definitely worth the wait. This game took a really long time before it came out. Um, But they did the damn thing, and Persona 5 definitely expanded upon that with all the new little features and quality of life changes it added. Even certain boss fights have new phases to them that just add on to the boss fights charm and appeal and fun and challenge. So. I thought even them going that far was like, damn, they didn't even have to do that, and they did it. So, kudos to them for that. But that's pretty much part one of the uh, series for this. This one's very, very simple, very straightforward, very kickback. Next time, uh, I'm sure it's going to be longer next week, because next week I plan on talking about our main characters. So our main characters being Rin, Ryuji, Morgana on... Uh, Yusuke, Makoto, Futaba, Haru, and uh, two, uh, a new character, a brand new character, the young, new redhead freshman girl, Kazumi, and of course, the rival slash villain, the nigga you love to hate, Goro Akechi. So those characters we'll be talking about next week, so I'm going to be giving my thoughts on each one, their little character arc through their confidant routes and shit like that. And just overall... How much I like them, and so that one's definitely going to be longer because we have 10 characters to talk about, so it's definitely going to be longer than like an hour and a couple minutes. And hopefully, it'll be a little more structured. This one, like I said, was very more like layback and straightforward, so it was just me talking about you know stuff I liked about it and the stuff I saw from it that I enjoyed. But hopefully, you guys are vibing to what I'm vibing to. If you have any uh questions, comments, things to bring up that I missed, or forgot or misinterpreted let me know but that's going to wrap it up for this week guys uh i hope you're enjoying this and i hope you enjoy the rest of the review we still have four more parts and they're going to be a lot longer this is only the beginning thanks for tuning in guys thanks for all your love and support and i will catch you next week with episode 60 of the podcast as we talk about the main characters of persona 5 royal love you guys bye